0: Good morning, my name is Kevin Kane, I'm outreach pastor today, and no, I'm outreach pastor, hopefully it lasts longer than today, Uh, (laughs) depends how this goes. Uh, We're going to be talking today about kind of a familiar passage, a familiar person as we walk through the book of John. We're looking at Doubting Thomas, as you can see in your little outline there, I asked the question, was he a double-minded follower of Christ? Or was he a healthy skeptic, asking for good uh, facts to follow up on on uh, what he had heard? And so it's familiar, but it's really touching on a, a difficult subject and this doubt and this questioning. And do we question God? And what do we do with these these feelings? And uh, Ideas that come through our our head. So I hope we get a little uncomfortable, and I hope uh, we get some of this resolved today as we look at this passage. Now, this isn't just for followers of Christ. This is also for those of you who really don't know about this Christianity. Maybe you're here today questioning. I want to help you in that questioning pro- uh, process, and I'm excited that you're here uh, with us today. Last night. We got to watch the movie, The Case for Christ. How many of you came out for that? Good number. Thank you. It's really cool interviewing the actor who plays uh, Lee Strobel, the atheist, before the movie, and it made it that much more powerful. But there was this atheist guy, Lee Strobel, really asking, is Christianity true? And that's not a bad question, right? But But sometimes he's treated differently by others, and Christians might scoff at him and say, "Just believe and take it on faith." And I'm going to be sharing today. I don't think that's a good idea to stifle our doubts or to tell people to just take it on faith. Well, to start off with, what what does doubt mean? And doubt really is to call into question something or to to lack confidence. In something that is posited or something that's happening in our lives. It's often a question aroused by fear. You know, what is going on? Sometimes some fear and confusion. Um, Now skepticism is a little tougher uh, to get a good definition. And uh, sometimes we use doubt and skeptic in the same sentence. But skeptic, probably the best definition I got is one I, I liked actually. Was skepticism is doubt with an attitude. Does that make sense? You ever talk to a skeptic? Yeah, well, I don't believe that. And really what it boils down to in the definition, skeptic was somebody who doubts everything. Every time you bring somebody up, and say, like, how do you know that? I can't believe that. Words are just a construct made for the powerful. You know. Well, so a skeptic is a little bit unhealthy. So the question is, is Thomas a double-minded follower of Christ or is he... A, Uh, A healthy skeptic? Maybe he's got a few of these big questions. You know, part of this is, do we ridicule Thomas? Or do we empathize with him? Is he a, a good guy or bad guy, to put it in the old Western terms? Well, when I was growing up, there was kind of, well, if you love God and you go to church, why would you ever doubt And I had several teachers raise this verse here. And it's Kevin. It talks in James 1 about doubters. And it says, don't doubt. It says he, a doubter, in James 1, 7, talks about doubt. And verse 8 says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Well, I don't want to be one of those. So I was always kind of afraid to, to share my doubt because I I want to be known as a follower of Christ. Well, you go a little deeper there, and this, this doubter was being double minded, somebody who wouldn't really make a decision about something. Follow Christ or not. Uh, you know, plant yourself, and actually, this is really talking, this double minded is being a hypocrite, putting a false face on and acting one way in one situation. In another way, in a different situation. None of us like hypocrites. So the Bible in the James passage is saying, don't be a hypocrite. But there is a way to bring about this healthy doubting. Now, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm with you in this. You know, I've, I've had some doubts. I'm going to share some of that with you. And the more I talk to people, I talk to people who have Doubts. As Kevin, I'm here every Sunday, but I still wonder about hell. I still wonder about this or that. And, and you know, as we go through this, what I hear is that the doubts can be scary. Wait a second. Don't don't judge me. Just let me ask these doubts. But people are scared to even voice them. Doub- doubts can be scary. They can be confusing They can be overwhelming. Where do I go? I have so many questions about this Christian faith or whatever the topic is. And doubts can make us feel hypocritical. You know, I'm going to talk today and you're going to leave here and you're probably still going to feel uncomfortable with some of your doubts. But I hope I encourage you to learn to express them and to pursue them by sharing and going through this somewhat familiar passage. Now, I've... Said, I think some of you probably have doubts. I sat and met with the olive branch staff. Followers of Christ. Solid, mature in their faith. And I said, do any of you have doubts? And here's what I heard. One person said, I sometimes doubt the truth of the New Testament. Somebody else says, well, I don't know how to express my doubts. Because I was taught to suppress them. Somebody else said, Well, is one of my doubts is, is God good? I've seen so much suffering firsthand. Another one said, you know, when times get tough, I find myself doubting the existence of God and his forgiveness. Another one says, I doubt my position as somebody who is adopted and and part of this family. I feel unworthy. A lot of my uh, doubts, this person said, come from my inability to understand a great God and how he views me. Another one just said, I doubt that, are there some people who are beyond hope? These were shared uh, with an achiness, with an uncomfortable uh, spirit in us talking because we felt dirty and sharing these things. We felt less Christian. But I want you to know in this process, we all start to see, you no, know, we, we have doubts. And especially as followers of Christ in a Christian community, we don't like to share those. And if we, we're afraid of being judged. And I want to share a, a passage from a book, Longing to Know, by Esther Meek. And in her situation, she's a teacher in a Christian university. And she said it can be painful To harbor doubts, especially when you're surrounded, as I was, by a community of dear people whom I felt I would disappoint if I told them. Plus, it seemed that my doubts discredited my claim to know God. Assurance, many people feel, is a sign of the reality of our being in right relationship with God. I concluded, she wrote, that absence of assurance meant that I was not in right relationship with God. I felt out of step with others. I felt out of step with myself. Here is a teacher in a Christian university sharing how she was trying to wrestle with these doubts. And it was was just painful. Painful. And some of you are feeling that pain and some of you are suppressing some of those doubts and questions you have about the Christian faith and you might feel unworthy. But today I want to encourage those questions, whether it's to me and other staff or in your small group and encourage them. And I remember being raised as a kid, I was encouraged to ask questions. And I remember hearing stories at school and kindergarten about other people's family situation. So I came home and, you know, as a little kid with these questions, and I said, Dad, am I adopted? And he said, not yet, son. We're still looking for a good family for you. <laughs> he didn't really say that. Um, but it was just as it was in my home, it was encouraged to ask questions, to, to, to wrestle with things, even though sometimes my questions were painful and awkward but I, I want to encourage all of us uh, to, to question even one of my heroes in scripture is John the Baptist. Here's this guy living out in the desert eating locusts and honey and, and shouting before Jesus came around that the kingdom is near. And then he baptizes Jesus. This is John the Baptist and then he's in prison in Matthew 11. He sends a message. He says, Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another Messiah Here is John the Baptist doubting, asking questions. You know what? Thomas gets the nickname of the doubter. But if you doubt, I want you to know you're not the only one. Thomas wasn't the only one. You're in good company. Now let's look in John chapter 20. We're going to get to this familiar passage as he walks us through um, the the rest of the chapter of uh, chapter 20. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, when Jesus appeared to them. So this is after Christ's resurrection. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. There's a lot of information for Thomas to process. So Thomas says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, the, the graphic nature of this sounds like Thomas has a bit of an attitude, doesn't it? I mean, who would want to put their, their finger there? But he was just questioning. He was overwhelmed. But part of that, I wonder, is this just hyperbole? You know, I need some tangible proof. I want to be absolutely certain of this information. But let's take a look at doubt. And our first point, your point, first little blank there today is that doubt is healthy. Now, if you're thinking as you process this, Kevin, that is not in those first two sentences of this that doubt is healthy. It's not, we're going to get there. I'm going to show you that doubt is healthy. Some of you are thinking, well, doubt can be healthy. Isn't that what you mean? No, I'm saying doubt is healthy. I'm going to share a little quote, but you know what? Water is healthy, right? But you can also drown, right? So there, there can be a misuse of something, but uh, I want to share today, and looking at this passage, that doubt is healthy. There's a, uh, a writer and speaker, he planted a church in New York City, and his name is Tim Keller. And he writes a book defending the Christian faith. So it's kind of a shock to read in his introduction this quote. A faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. Powerful statement. Then he goes on people who blindly go through life too busy or indifferent to ask the hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight. What did he say that doubt is healthy? That it's like antibodies. That we need to realize that as finite humans questioning this infinite God. We are going to have questions. We are going to have doubts. We need to to wrestle through them. A few years ago I, I, I wondered how do I really understand people who think differently than me. So I read a book on atheism. I even wrote it down here. The Case Against God. And it was... Written by an atheist. I didn't want some sugar-coated view from my side or the Christian side. Or read a book on atheism. And you know what? I couldn't answer most of the questions and charges. against Why they didn't believe Christianity was true. And also while I was reading it, I felt... I felt dirty. I felt like I should have a brown paper bag over the front so people wouldn't see me reading this and, and judge me. Or I was actually sitting out in public and I didn't want the Atheist Society to come around me and hold hands and have a drink in my name because I'm reading this book on atheism. So I'm kind of cowering reading this, but it really challenged me. And I thought, man, I don't have these answers. And I realized one thing. I had a bunch of doubts that I hadn't articulated But I wasn't afraid of them. I said, wow, here's some questions. Let's go. Let's figure this out. Let's wrestle. Let's find truth. And I also realized something, and I want to challenge all of you. Don't doubt your faith simply because you can't answer every question. I've talked to several people over the last few years that said, oh, I was talking to somebody and they had this different view and I couldn't, I, I couldn't really defend what I believed, so I'm not even sure and I'm a, I'm a Christian now. I said, no, just because you can't ask, answer everything, let's go back to the fundamentals. What do you believe about Jesus Christ and the Christian faith? Let's start there. Just because you have doubts doesn't mean you're less Christian. It doesn't mean, not, it doesn't mean you're not part of God's family. What is dangerous, what is unhealthy, is telling somebody, stop asking asking questions and just believe. The Latin word is fideism, which means you can only just know by belief. So just shut off your brain and believe. That is not healthy for somebody who is really wrestling deeply. Now, as we wrestle, we may come to an end point on something where we realize I just may not ever know, so I might have faith on based on what I do know. But we don't start off telling our kids, they ask a question. They say, God said it, I believe it, that settled it, so shut up. <laughs> right? Don't you want to do that? Your kid comes home from school and said, you know, none of my friends believe in God, so I don't either. Well, we want to jump in and say, ah... And, and fix it. You know, my kid's broken. Oh, no. I hope the neighbors didn't hear. Rather than sit down and talk and dialogue and say, how do I help you discover this? But don't tell them just to shut your doubts down and just believe. Which actually happened. Ex- happens more, I'm sure. But I was teaching a class on uh, uh, apologetics, how to defend your faith. And. I Skyped in a former Bible college student of mine who was now a very strong atheist. Not a great track record. I hope my sermon doesn't turn anybody the wrong way this morning. But as I talked to her and I interviewed her in a class, very articulate, some very good points on why she's an atheist. And I wanted the class to hear that. And I said, well, well how did you get to where you are? She said, well, it really wasn't too hard. I grew up in a Christian home. And I started asking questions about the faith. And my parents wouldn't answer them. They said, Shut up, just believe. So she said, later on, I'd ask another question, and they say, Don't ask that question. That's wrong. That's a sin. Get your mind on Jesus. He's the answer. So she said, I finally realized, Kevin, that my parents didn't have the answers. They just believed in a fairy tale. They said, my life growing up was like being in a carnival game. The whack-a-mole. And she said, I felt like I was the mole. I would pop up with a question and I'd get slammed down. And I'd pop up here and I'd get slammed down. And she said, sooner or later, I just stopped asking questions. That's how I got to be an atheist. Because I can articulate what I believe to those of you who don't have answers to the questions I want to ask. I hope that doesn't happen to us. I hope we see doubt as something healthy. And how do we encourage that? And how do we help people in that? And I'm going to give you some pointers on how to do that as we walk through this passage. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. What a challenge. He says, Stop wavering. But you know what? Thomas wasn't the only one who wavered. I shared about John the Baptist. We had Peter walking on the water, and what was it? Matthew 14. Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, let me know and I'll step on out. And Jesus said, come on out. And Peter was walking on the water because he had faith in a great big awesome God. And what happened? He took his eyes off Jesus. He got overwhelmed by the wind and the waves and he started sinking. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him and said, why did you doubt? Why did you waver? You know what? I believe Peter's faith grew from that. Still imperfect. uh, But he pressed forward. He he questioned. He trusted. And he moved forward. One of the things that happens is when we start questioning or we're talking to somebody else, it's easy for people to get paralyzed. Man, I doubt this. I doubt his Bible. True. Is Jesus going to return? What about this? This is all in the Christian faith. How does it fit with science and Christianity? I just don't know where to go. And we just stop. And that's where it's unhealthy. We need to press forward. And again, I've talked to several people that said, I have so many questions, I'm not sure I'm a believer anymore. Well, let's take your questions, but let's go back to the fundamentals of the faith. Then let's see how your peripheral questions or doubts fit. And some of them might be fundamental, but let's walk through them. But don't get lazy. So many people say, oh, well, I'm no longer a Christian. I'm an atheist now. How did you get there? What did you read? Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just the way I feel. Well, no, help, help them. Well, there's got to be a reason. Don't be lazy. Don't let your doubts. And often it's because people said, I had all these questions and I couldn't get them answered because I didn't research them. So now I just must not be a Christian. Don't be lazy. Don't get overwhelmed. And as a follower of Christ who's helping somebody who may have the same doubts you do, don't overreact. Learn to listen. But don't ignore them. And here's uh, Esther Mika sharing again. Did I skip a... Ah, I did. Doubt is a tool for growth. That's your second line there. And again, in this passage, we can see what's going on. We're not there yet with uh, Thomas. We haven't seen that, but it's going to happen in this passage. But he's going to see doubt as a tool for growth. And part of that is in this next quote, um, that when we have doubts, when we go through experience, we can't really explain, do we ignore it? And Esther Meek again is saying, not to make sense of experiences, however, not to be human. Do not deny or repress your own fundamentally human passion to make sense of experience. Wrestle and grow and ask questions. We offer classes here at Olive Branch on Sunday mornings and other times to help you Grow in your faith to answer some of these doubts so that you can help others who have doubts. Now, how do we do this? So I put six little bullets in your uh, outline there. And I'm just going to walk through that. And I think these are steps to healthy doubting. So the first one is clarify what your specific doubts are one at a time. And this is the biggest. This is huge. Don't throw all your doubt into one basket. Uh, a lot of people kind of do the, the machine gun with doubts. What about this? What about this? And uh, that keeps people away from getting down to, to what is the question? If it's your child, it's your spouse, it's somebody in your family, whether they're a follower of Christ, whether they're a anti-Christian and think all Christians are horrible. What is the fundamental answer? Now, some people may not want to talk about it. I get that. And... If they just want to stay superficial and throw those challenges out there, I can't help you because they're more of a skeptic and not wanting to go move forward. But if they really do have issues, try to get to that fundamental question. And that's where they'll need your help to think through this. What is it? What's at the the bottom of their, their fears and doubts that's driving it? So clarify the doubts then help them think, why do they care so much about this issue? Why, why does it concern them? If they're Christians, is it an essential of the faith? Or if they're a non-Christian, is it really something they need to know about Christianity? Or is there something deeper? What's more important? Also, if you're a believer, is this question really interfering with your relationship with God? Or is it just something you don't know and want to wrestle with? Know and understand these things. A third one, take an honest inventory of what you really do and don't know about the issue. Do you have a background in this? Have you had some experience? Where do you look for knowledge and understanding in this area? If you're a believer, do you still have a foundational faith in Jesus Christ? Do you trust God's word? If not, you're going to need to go back and start at some of those areas. But really kind of make sure you're keeping the main thing the main thing. Then number four, research the most credible sources on an issue and be open to the conversation from informed sources. Fascinating. I was in um, a seminary and I wrote a paper, Can Satan Do Miracles? And I'm not going to answer that here, but I started off one way and I really did some open research. I lived in uh, the jungle of Indonesia for five years and they were very animistic, worshipping the spirits. And I saw some things. I'm trying to process my experience and looking at God's word I had to look at some sources that I didn't agree with, but I, I looked at their reasoning and I started balancing out my experience and my knowledge with these other things. It was, it was fascinating and fun, but, but scary because you think you know something or have a grasp on something and then you get stretched a little bit more by looking at other sources. And look at both sides just because you feel like you believe one way. Don't only read the other side. Read some more. Grow and wrestle through your doubts or help somebody in this. Also evaluate your feelings, biases, and past history to see if they are clouding your understanding. And you know what? They likely are. We all have biases. The first step is to be aware of them. Acknowledge them. You can come to a good, healthy conclusion in spite of your biases. In high school, I started to date a young lady who I soon found out she was Mormon. Now, I lived kind of a lonely high school life, so when you're a senior and some girl, pretty girl starts paying attention to you, that, that's a big thing. So I started dating her and I found out oh, she's a Mormon, very active in her church. Well, I knew that Mormonism started because they felt like all of us evangelical churches were anathema. So there isn't this cozy understanding between Mormons and evangelicals. And there I was dating this gal. And it really made me question my faith. What if I was raised in a Mormon home? Would I be Mormon? What if I was raised in a Hindu home? Would I be Hindu? I was raised in a Christian home and kind of followed the religion of my parents, and it made sense. But I, I've been affected; I am biased. So I still started researching, and how do you research the difference between the different faiths? And fortunately, my parents encouraged me along in the process. They didn't say stop this; this is wrong. Ask me questions; help me to narrow my search down. And it really came to. Who was Jesus? How Mormons view Jesus, how Hindus view Jesus, how uh, Islam views Jesus, how uh, evangelicals view Jesus is very different. So that was my wrestling and I, I came down on the side of I, I can't get past the truth of Christianity Fascinating last night to watch the movie The Case for Christ where the guy started out with an atheist and he walked through these steps and he really researched it and in the end he said he didn't use these words but it's something I say often that I I feel like my hands are tied. I've done the research. I can't get past who Jesus Christ said he was. That he was the son of God who died and rose again for me. But it takes that deep wrestling to come for. So you have that confidence in who Jesus is. And finally, as you evaluate that, you come to a decision, be open to people questioning your your new position and discuss it with others. Lay it out there and and grow from that. And you know, as you come to conclusion on something, whether it's can Satan do miracles or uh, some peripheral uh, thing about our faith, continue to learn, continue to grow. And in that, I think God will use it as a doubt, as a tool for our growth. Next part of the passage, Thomas answered him after seeing the risen Christ. He gave one of the great declarations here. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. What's fascinating here is Thomas took this information. He didn't just say, you are God. He just says, my Lord and my God. And Thomas died a painful death because he knew who Christ was. Now the next part is kind of confusing. Have you believed because you have seen me, Thomas? Blessed are those, the rest is us, who have not seen and yet have believed. We have stepped forward. I, I don't know about you, but I often don't feel blessed because I haven't seen the risen Christ. I think that'd be really cool. I think that could change my faith. But you know, he's saying for you all to know and to trust who God is, not based on fideism, not just saying, "Oh, I somebody said it, so God said it. I believe it. That settles it." Or I turn my brain off and I just believe. No, because we wrestle, and we look at the evidence. We step out and say, there is a great and awesome God who cares for me, and I can't see that awesome God. There was a human who lived on the earth, and there is so much evidence that I don't have to see him. We don't have to have seen George Washington to believe George Washington lived. We don't have to have seen Jesus, but he would say, blessed are you who trust in me, even though you haven't seen. You've seen my faithfulness. You've seen my written word. You are blessed. Now, some of us say, well, I don't feel blessed and I kind of want God to show up a little more. I have these doubts. You know what? I don't think it's wrong to ask God to show himself. God, you've demonstrated yourself throughout history. Now, I don't think we make a demand on God, but I just think, God, I am a weak, aching believer. Can you show yourself to me? And what that means is we need to put on different glasses in the morning. We need to be looking for God to be working. And you know what? It may not look like you want it to look. Often God shows up in our struggles. That reality hits home as we really wrestle with things in this life. Final little uh, part to fill in the blank. Doubt helps us to love, live, and share Christ. We have that on the signs here. And uh, you say, Kevin, we haven't read that in the passage yet. Ah, but we're getting to it right now. The last part, John, after all this time, we've gone through 20 chapters and there's 21. Uh, he's going to say, what's going on now? Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book, in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you might have life in his name. So why, why did he write this book? For our belief. For others' belief. You know what? John's the only one that tells us the story of doubting Thomas. Why? Because doubting is healthy. Doubting is a tool for our growth. And doubting helps us to love, live, and share Christ as we believe who we are. So step forward in your belief so that others might believe. We find him faithful everywhere we turn. Actually, I can speak for me. I find God faithful through the struggles of my own life, through wrestling with who he is and the doubts I have. You know, but this is more than just intellectual knowledge. How many of you have seen the movie Amazing Grace about William Wilberforce? Raise your hand. Not too many believers here. Watch the movie Amazing Grace. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. He tries to upend the slave trade in Britain because of his Christian faith. Because of who he fundamentally believes people are. And he shares this the slave trade is bad and the guys in parliament are sitting there. Yeah, it's kind of bad, but the economy has helped. And keep your, your information to yourself. What William Wilberforce does, he gets a bunch of these guys in parliament. He kind of fools them a little bit. Gets them in a boat and they pull up right next to to a slave boat that had just come in. They could see the blood. They could smell the stench of human death on that boat. It took it from this, yeah, slave trade is bad and a few of them died to this reality that we as leaders in parliament have blood on our hands for allowing this. It took that information and their questioning of this into reality. So as we doubt... It brings these things into mean more that we uh, grab hold of the truth in a different way. It also helps us as we doubt and wrestle with it to empathize with others. You know, we live in a culture where people are taught there's no God, that, that religion doesn't really matter, that religious folks are nutty and often dangerous and that science and Christianity are at complete odds. I want to help us to learn to empathize. Find out what their doubts are. Help them formulate their doubts. Share that you don't have everything figured out. Help them. Help them to discover what is going on. Jared Zimmerman, our youth pastor, as we were talking, he says, Kevin, as I train up youth, the greatest doubters turn out to be the greatest teachers They wrestle with truth. They wrestle with reality. It means something to them. And they pursue truth. And we saw that last night in the movie, The Case for Christ. As he really wrestled with what are the facts. So as we go out today, I want to encourage us to love Christ. Live Christ and share Christ. Love him because through the truth and the reality of a a raised Jesus Christ who has holes in the palm of his hands, that through that we have been reconciled to a great and awesome God who we were separated from because of our own rebellion. So we can love him for what he has accomplished for us. And we live it. We live out this faith in our doubts. And James Project is next Saturday as we invite people to come with us to, to church and other events. We, we press forward and we painfully listen to other people doubts because we care about them, and we help others, and we don't have to have all the answers as we press forward and live, love, and share it. And my role as outreach pastor is to help equip everyone in the church to be able to share their faith and connect and ask questions. But probably the biggest one is to help empower people, Most of us sitting here say, Kevin, I'm struggling. I have my own doubts. Who am I to share? You are a human follower of Christ. When Jesus left, he said, I go away, but I'm going to send you the comforter. He didn't say, I'm going to go away. I'm going to send you Kevin Kane and Greg Harris, and they'll do all the work. It says, I'm going to send you a comforter. We all have the Holy Spirit. We are all ambassadors for Christ as we go out to share this. So in spite of our struggles. That I hope us, we continue to resolve. In spite of our doubts. That I hope we press forward. As scary as it is. As unchristian as it looks. Get those out there in your small group. Uh, with us. In just a minute we're going to sing a song. During the song the prayer team's going to come up. Come up and share some of that with them. Have them pray for you. Doubting Thomas. We don't know his attitude and his heart. But we do know that doubting is healthy. It's a tool for growth. And it helps us to love, live, and share Christ. So ask questions. Ask scary questions. Take one of the classes that are offered here as you sit with others and walk through that process. And and you can doubt the faith. It's okay. Don't shut down others in their wrestling. Love them encourage them to to share and follow those six steps I gave you. But live, I love, live and share Christ as we go out here ambassadors and press forward in your doubting as we see who Thomas was. Don't really know his heart but if you're a true follower of Christ, press forward. If you're not a follower of Christ, we're going to have people up here and just share you have some of these doubts. Maybe they can help you narrow them down or point to somebody that can. But don't let that sit there as if it doesn't matter. This all matters deeply. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being a great and awesome God who continually shows yourself faithful. God, as we wrestle, as we doubt, as finite people, we will never completely understand you, an infinite God. But we can understand you in a greater way than we have in the past. God, we have doubts that uh, we're unworthy to be even called your children and yet we still have doubts about you and your character. God, as we honestly pursue these, help us in our doubts. And may our doubts not hold us back from loving and living and sharing you to a broken and hurting world. In Jesus' precious name, amen.